What do two out-of-work baseball talkers do when they have too much time on their hands and have no desire to tackle their honey-do list? They co-host a national baseball show dealing with the topics of the day. It's the Big Five Baseball Show with big league broadcasters Victor Rojas and Joel Goldberg. Hi again, everyone. It's episode number 29 of the uh, Big Fly Baseball Show. I'm Victor Rojas along with Joel Goldberg. So glad you could join us on this uh, Wednesday. And uh, we are delighted uh, today with our guest. And Joel, I know you are more familiar with him than I am. I got a chance to meet him a couple of years ago. I actually walked up to him. I know yesterday we were talking about Javier's in, uh, in Newport. And I saw him walking in. And I want to introduce myself because he had met my dad filming a commercial for the Royals and uh, just thought he was the nicest guy in the world. And Whit Merrifield is going to be our guest here momentarily. But that's that's my claim to knowing Whit Merrifield. And that's the extent of my uh, of my interactions with him. Well, fortunately for me or unfortunately for him, I know him a lot better because I see him every single day. He also happens to be and I know that you'll appreciate this, although you don't have to go into the clubhouse like I do. Um, he's available every single day i don't want to say too many nice things about him because he's listening right now but i guess that's better than saying bad things and more importantly we should welcome into the show right now the two-time major league hits leader the reigning hits leader and the second right-handed batter in major league baseball history to lead the league in hits in consecutive seasons along with the late hall of famer kirby puckett with merrifield who i could have predicted before we got on the call would be in whatever golfing shirt with a backwards hat on his way to the course or leaving the course or something like that. I'm not saying you're predictable, but there are two things to me that are very predictable <laughs> with you. One, the hits and two, the golf game is coming. So I think that's fair. How you doing? I'm great, Joel. I'm, I'm a little concerned that you know me so well. <laughs> we've, I mean, we've spent a lot of time together. And so, I mean, understandably, I, I'll, I'll say right now, I miss you and all the guys. I think we all miss baseball right now. How, along with golf, uh, how are you hanging in there and getting through all this right now? Just the best we can, as best as anybody can. Um uh, fortunate to, that my, my golf club has stayed open. So this has been my, my way to get outside and move around and, um, and swing a swing a stick. So uh, the well, I usually go over to Wake Forest to do my baseball stuff, and that's been closed down for about a month now. So um, just kind of doing the high school routine, putting a pop up net up in the yard, and, and grabbing a tee and hitting some balls into the net, and um, just waiting waiting for things to open up so we can kind of get back into it a little bit harder. It seems like uh, everybody's kind of in that mode right now, that the rudimentary way of kind of keeping in shape, if you will, whether it's a, a little kid in Little League and hoping that he gets a chance to play some summer ball or Legion ball, whatever the case may be. Big leaguers are basically doing the exact same thing, huh? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. This is – it's weird. It's weird. I never thought we'd have any anything like this. So it's just, it's new to everybody. Um but it's strange. What I want to I want to ask you about just the way life has changed for you because, you know, you you, you grinded. I mean, I, I and I think I've told you this before. I mean, I with the minor league hockey that I announced here in town, I I have used your example when talking to those players because so many of them have been told or at least are in the under the impression that they may never make it. And, and you went through so many years of battling in the minors, and then you didn't just make it. You, you've become an all-star. You've become one of the leaders of the Kansas City Royals and one of the great hitters in in the game. How how rough of a path or how 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 tough of a journey was that? And and when did you realize – I know you always believed in yourself. You're, you're a confident guy. When did you finally know, look, I not only do I belong, but I, I, I've made it? Um, yeah, I mean, those are two different barriers I conquered. Um, the knowing I belong, it took me a week or two into the big leagues to realize that I could play at this level that I belonged up here. And that was just from getting there and, and seeing the competition in the big leagues. Um, I played a lot of the top people in the I faced a lot of top pitchers early on in my big league career and had some a little bit of success. So uh, I knew I, I belonged uh, pretty quickly, but uh, the feeling that I made it probably didn't come until 
maybe a year into my big league career when I would I would hit a little bit of a slump and I'd come in every day and I'd still be in the lineup. And when that was happening, that was when I knew that uh, they believed in me and that I, I had made it because they were willing to to put up with, with a little bit of a slump because they knew that it, it wasn't going to last very long. Was there ever a, a moment – I mean, everybody kind of goes through it, right, in your minor leagues. And I know my dad is a guy that, had, you know, at 5'10", coming from Cuba, language barrier and everything, that he always felt that he belonged in the big leagues but was never really given the opportunities. Did you ever experience anything like that in the minor leagues where you kept telling yourself, man, I should be, I should be here. I don't know why I'm still in this spot. Did those thoughts ever creep into your mind? And if so, what, what did you – do or say to yourself that you were able to kind of get beyond that and just continue, you know, working and grinding through it. Yeah. I, I mean, there's countless times in the minor leagues where guys would get called up that I felt I was better than, and you just kind of question, um, well, how you, am I perceiving myself in a, in a biased way? Am I really not seeing, um, that these guys are are better. Are they, are they really better than me? Even though I don't think so. I mean, it happened. I could, I'm not going to name names, but it, it sit here and it happens five, six, seven times, and you just it, it, it gets to the point where it wears on you. Um, it, it wore on me. There was many times I thought about retiring and hanging them up because I didn't think I'd ever get a chance. But I've said it before. I had a conversation with my dad when it came to a head and he, he just told me once you take your cleats off that's it you can't ever put them back on so um i decided to ride it out and give it my best shot and um glad i did well it obviously it worked out as the back-to-back uh, hits leader in, in major league baseball i, I want to ask you a little bit more about your dad and that story and if, if victor you haven't met Witt's dad yet you need to at some point, and if, if he's ever there when Royals and Angels play, um, Bill, Bill's awesome. Played for Joe Madden back in the, what, 80s, I think. Uh, as a matter of fact, I believe there was a day – I'll pick up the thought in a second, Wit. Correct me if I'm wrong. A handful of years ago, I think you came into first base maybe to replace a Hosmer or something at spring training against the Cubs. Didn't he send his first base coach out to say, could, could you ask that kid who his dad is? Was it something like that? Yeah, yeah, exactly how it went. Yeah, I was playing first, and um, first base coach came out and goes, "Hey, Joe wants to know if your dad, his name is Bill." And I said, "Yeah." He said, "He said he remembered him, and uh, it was cool because I think my dad played for him in Midland, I think it was in Double A, with the Angels um, in '85, '86, something like that." So the fact that he remembered a guy from Double A 30 years later is pretty cool. Well, if you look up, go to Baseball Reference or whatever in the minor league section, type in Bill Merrifield, you'll see some some big time home run uh, hitting seasons. Which which I don't know if I've ever told you this. I'm going to probably get myself in trouble here, but you had a inside the park home run. Was it last year or two years ago? Last year. Last year, it all blends together for me. But I know you remember those. And I texted your dad something like, you know, as the game's going on, how about that? And his response was, I would have hit it over the fence. So <laughs> that's typical. That's that's um, with with. Wit, Wit and Bill are very close. It's 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 really special to to watch the two of them interact. But we tell the story of of the adversity that your dad went through because he was about as close as possible to realizing the big league dream, and it was taken away. And I just tell that story, and I wonder how much that that has resonated with you over the years. Yeah, it's oddly parallel to sort of how uh, my minor league career went, where dad was in Pittsburgh and long story short uh well he was in, he was in AAA with Pittsburgh and he was called up got all the way to the field took batting practice game gets rained out Jim Leland calls him in tells him um we want you to go to instructional league and work on first base because they wanted him to play first but he was a third baseman his whole career uh so he goes to the instructional league, breaks his foot a couple days into it, and never gets a chance to be back in the big leagues. Um, and 
for myself in 2015 when Alex Gordon uh, tore his groin. They took me out of the game in AAA, told me I was coming up to the big leagues, uh, packed my bags, got to my car, manager called me back in, said, hey, the club changed their mind. They're going to bring up a pitcher instead. Mm-hmm. And um, so that that was and, – and I never got – I thought at the time that I'd get called up in September. This was, I think, July. So I thought I'd get called up when rosters expand expanded, and they didn't. So um, having him there that had been through something not really many people have been able to go through um, mm-hmm. and to be able to <clears> – <throat> to talk to him and how he handled it and how he looking back on it, what he would have done differently um, helped me stick around. I'd imagine it's been a uh, tremendous, just from a, from a sounding board standpoint to have someone that, you know, experienced and walked in your shoes long before you got a chance to do that so that you can ask for pieces of advice. I know I've done it over the years. Uh, gosh, even from, when I was at MLB Network and I got the call that the Angels were interested in talking with me, I didn't know what to do. And, and I know my dad had done some broadcasting and the like. And I remember calling him. I was like, what should I do? Should I stay here at MLB or should I go talk to the Angels? And I remember vividly that conversation when I was in New Jersey. Him saying, you know what? If the owner of the team wants to talk to you, go talk to the owner of the team. And lo and behold, 10 years later, I'm still still with the angels at least i believe so until uh, the season starts <laughs> who knows what happens in 2020 but uh it's 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 cool to know and not everybody can experience that it, whether it's baseball or any walk of life it, that you have someone that close to you that you could pick up the phone and say hey this is what's going on or this is what i feel and they understand it and they could actually tell you and walk you through things or at least give you pieces of advice that help you kind of get through, especially the, the down times, the tough times. Yeah, no question. He's, he's, he's been my foundation to, to me being a man first off and then a baseball player second. So pretty much every attribute and, and um, ability that I have as a baseball player has because is because of him. Uh, but it, it's been a cool transition for us as far as being in the big leagues now. Early on, he was my coach. He was he he was my guy, my teacher. And then as I um, as I came up, he was still that guy. And then I got to the big leagues, and now all of a sudden I'm in a I'm at a level he never he never played in. And so now, as I've been in the big leagues and done some things, I'm starting to teach him some stuff mm-hmm. that that is is kind of been a cool dynamic in our relationship, but. Um, he's still my guy I go to when, when things are, uh, are really struggling, really grinding. Um, he's, he's my guy I call and he'll give me a thought or, a, a he's, he'll see something that I'm, that I'm doing that is just a quick fix, a quick adjustment. And, um, nobody, I mean, he's seen my swing since I was two years old. So nobody's right. better at, at, at giving me quick adjustments than him. Also make sure we give a shout out to your mom because she's better than, than him. Uh, to to Kissy Merrifield because no doubt I just know no I doubt. just know if she if she's watching one I want her to hear that too I want him to hear that so that was important for me to to say that they they understand that one um when I, and I don't want to put you on the spot so you answer it however you answer it. you're a pro you know how to do all this but it seems like there's a different report coming out every single day with scenarios you're following it and you may know some more I I, I tend to find that no one has the exact answers right now so you kind of hope for time frames you hope for some ideas and i think some of these ideas leak out and so one day everybody's going to arizona the next day it's three cities the next day it's no fan and all that do you have any sense or optimism or it seems like everyone at this point is saying okay we're gonna have baseball i've given up on asking and answering exactly what that date is but do you have any type of feeling of where this is going well, none of the stuff that's come out is wrong. It's just people are, are putting too much, are giving too much value to these ideas that are coming out. They're ideas. They're they're throwing out ideas, all sorts of scenarios, situations. Okay, if we all go to Arizona, what is that going to look like? If we go to these cities, what is that going to look like? Um, so they're, they're, I mean, these are all accurate reports. They're just there's no traction to them because they're just ideas at this point. They're they're waiting to 
for governors and, and health officials to give us the okay. And then once we get the okay, okay, now we grab one of these ideas that we like the best. And, and now we kind of run with it and, and start developing some traction with it. So um, I, I would just caution people when these reports come out, just know that it's stuff that the league and the players and the owners are talking about. This could be a possibility it might not be the possibility, but we're trying to think of all the different ways we can go about getting the season started as quickly as possible. So um, the reports come out, you know, they're great. They're, they're giving people insights of kind of how the conversations are going, but don't just because something comes out doesn't mean that's what's going to happen. Yeah. We, we've kind of called it a roller coaster because it, it, it kind of plays with people's emotions, especially from a fan perspective where you get really excited about something and you see like this artificial start date and then all of a sudden the next day or two, it blows up for whatever the case may be. The one thing that I keep talking with Joel about is that there has to be a comfort zone with everyone that's involved. And now if the government and health officials say all clear and you can play ball in any city, in any state, then there's no problems, right? <clears throat> but if, if there are parameters still in places in different cities or states, uh, then it becomes a comfort issue. What What is the threshold for you from a personal standpoint? What are you, are you willing to just say, hey, when baseball starts, I'm ready to go no matter what? Or do you have a certain, I don't know, line in the sand where if it means I'm separated from my family for X amount of months, I'd, I'd like to reconsider that because I think that that's something that kind of gets lost where I believe fans are looking at whatever this start date today was what, July 1st or whatever, um, that everybody just, everybody's buying in, right? Everyone's going in from a player's perspective or a coach's perspective on July 1. That's not necessarily the case because you got so many individuals with so many different needs and family uh, situations that, that vary so much. Yeah, that's a conversation I've had with the Players Association, actually, is different people are going to feel differently about all these scenarios. Because, for example, myself, I'm, I'm good with whatever. Uh, I'm married, but we don't have any kids or anything. And um, whatever happens, I, she, she's good with me being, if we don't see each other for three or four months, she's cool with it. I'm cool with it. But I don't have kids. A lot of guys, these guys have kids that will feel differently about it. So how do we navigate that? Um, so it's obviously it's going to be a difficult discussion. And um, I'm glad I'm not the one that's going to have to make the ultimate decision. But all I can do is is all we, all we can do is, is tell the league, tell the association uh, and the union how we feel and make, let them gather all the information and make the decision as to what to do. Yeah, we've talked about that a lot. I mean, in, in your terms or in your world, and Alex Gordon, who, who I know is a very good friend of, of yours, and the two of you guys, um, you know, are two of the leaders on this team, he's got three kids at home, and, and he coaches the two older ones. And, you know, to just suddenly leave that is a totally different perspective than – you know, than a guy that's more recently married. So it's different for, for every single guy. Hey, I wanted to ask you, and it's something that, that I asked you at spring training. It's something that I asked you uh, at, at FanFest in the off season. But, you know, you've got a new manager, and that's not something that's happened for a long time. And, you know, you, the only big league manager you'd played for is Ned Yost. What are your impressions of Mike Matheny? Not just what you saw before spring training, but now what's happened after spring training. Because I know that, and it's probably true for most organizations, I know that they are staying in touch with everyone on a very regular basis. What have you seen? Yeah, Mike's been, he's been everything that he said he was going to be and said he was going to do, um, which is all you can ask for. He's, he, he truly believes in this team now. He believes that we can win now, which was, which is a great change of pace for us. Um, He's, he brings a lot of young uh, energy. Um, he's very hands-on. Um, so there's a little bit of there's – a, there's a different feel to having him around, and it's it's been uh, really well welcomed in the clubhouse. And we were looking forward to getting out there and playing for him, um, but that's been on pause, obviously. So when the season starts, 
um, we're, we're excited to go out and, and, and compete for them. You're listening to uh, Royals All-Star Whit Merrifield, who's uh, joining us here on the show. And uh, on the heels of, you know, Mike Matheny uh, becoming the manager, did it help uh, that he was around last year and, and part of the organization and kind of getting a feel for guys and, and the like that uh, as he transitioned to the manager's role, it, it was more seamless than, let's say, someone new coming in and having to kind of learn the roster and the minor leagues and so on and so forth? I'm sure it helped him and Dayton and all the front office. Um, but he, he he interacted with them more than us. We didn't see him at all during the season. We saw him. He was he was around spring training last year. So we got, got to meet him a little bit then. Uh, but when the season started, he was with Dayton and – uh, the front office guys and not around us. So we didn't really get a chance to know him a lot last year, but he, he got a chance to know us. So I'm sure that did help him. With Victor's lucky enough to spend every day in the season with Mike Trout. That's, that's obviously pretty awesome. I get a chance to see you hit on a regular basis and the consistency of seeing, you know, we Victor, we call him two hit wit, except mm-hmm. for on nights where there are three hits or four hits. And, um, he had the long streak, longest Royals hitting uh, hitting streak in Royals history, surpassing George Brett. And so I know it's not that easy. Witt makes it look easy. Um, the question I have for you, Witt, is who, who's the guy that you admired or looked up to coming up, or even as a kid from a hitting standpoint? And, and who do you admire in the league right now, whether it's a Trout or whoever it is? I, I will say this. I mean, Victor, a lot of the com- – comparisons we heard early on where this guy looks like a Michael Young and I know that you worked with the Rangers at one point yeah and so we've seen a lot of those similarities interesting um who who are the guys that you admired with I was always a Jeter guy growing up I loved I loved um watching him play I liked his swing it was it was similar to to mine as a kid I even I even practiced the um the kind of fall through bat slam that he used to kind of kind of do where he'd hit it and then throw his bat kind of right in the ground and take off running um he was inside out uh had some power but wasn't a power hitter per se so uh those are all the kind of traits that that i admired uh he was a good base runner could steal bases but wasn't wasn't a dyson fast or mondi fast so all those things I, I found comparisons to my game and um, obviously he's a winner and uh, he was the captain for a reason. People respected him. So he was, he was my guy. I, I admired. Has there been any temptation on your part to change your approach at the plate? I mean, are you wildly successful and I get it, but with the advent of the whole launch angle and exit velo and all that stuff, have you ever been tempted to like, man, maybe I want to try to lift a little bit more. Maybe I'm going to try to hit, I don't know, five to 10 more home runs this year. Or are you kind of the, of the mindset of why, why screw with what's working? Um, I'm always making adjustments, but they're in order to hit the ball as hard as I can. It's not as much uh, lifting the ball or, or worried about how hard the ball's coming off my bat. If I'm hitting it on the barrel consistently, that's that's what where I'm trying to be, and those are the adjustments I'm trying to make to get to putting myself in the best position possible to hit the ball in the barrel. And whatever happens after that takes care of itself. I know playing in Kauffman Stadium, if I hit the ball in the air a lot, I'm not going to have a lot of success. So mm-hmm. um, if I played in Yankee Stadium or Fenway or really just about any other stadium outside of Kauffman, maybe I try to hit the ball in the air a little more, but um, I know I know what makes me successful. I know my game, and I try to stick to it. If you were telling a young player, me. real quick, Joe, if you were going to tell a young player one particular thing about hitting, what would what would that philosophy be? Stay inside the ball. Just stay inside the ball, and um, things will take care of themselves. All right, I got a I got a much more important question here. And we'll cut you <laughs> loose here in a few minutes. One, how's the golf game? And two, I want to ask you about my partner and our guest, one of our guests yesterday, Jeff Montgomery. You guys play a lot together during the the season, so I'm wondering how those 
those golf matches or outings go? Uh, golf game's okay. It's not where I'd like for it to be. Um, but I'm pretty competitive, so I don't, I don't like going out and making bogeys. Um, Monty, ever since he got his new hip, he's been pretty good. So he, uh, we, we have some good, we have some good matches and Monty's a lot of fun to play with. So I, I always enjoy going out and playing with Monty. I, I like that preface ever since he got his new hip. That's just, well, great, was, I can't, he, he was, I can't wait to crush him with that. <laughs> he was struggling for a little bit early on. He was, he was yeah. hobbling yeah. around and I'm sure that it was, it was the weight transition was, was quite difficult when yeah. you got, you got one hip. Uh, by the, by the way, it's, that was the second new hip. So there was the first yeah. one. Yeah which was probably early in the weight years. And the second one was more in the all-star weight years. So we, we know Monty, you know, I think you and Monty are a lot like a lot alike in that sense, like two really easy going guys. But once, once that those competitive juices start flowing, you know, boom, you're, you're off and running extremely competitive and, and, and intense. Um, last thing for me with how long do you think it's been interesting to hear the different answers? We, we've said this over and over again. When we had Albert Pujols on, he said he wasn't even hitting right now. He, he wants to wait. And it, it was interesting hearing, I don't know who said to us the other day that, um, you know, an older guy in the league um, is going to wait longer. And they've got to they've got to be able to, to, to take care of themselves and all of that. Everybody's different. Uh, what you're doing might be different than the next guy. Um, how long is it going to take you to get ready? Um, it'll take me a, a week or so to get my swing feeling like I want it to feel and two weeks of seeing pitches, seeing pitching to get me to where I'm, I'm comfortable to step into a major league game. So that's three weeks total, maybe, um, okay. but that, that's not really including this stamina that comes with it, the swing stamina. So. Whenever we get a date, like a, like I guess a summer training report date, um, I'll take a good. I'm hitting off the tee twice a week right now. Um, once we get that 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 date, I'll take a good two weeks to really get my swing stamina back, um, and then like I said, another week to maybe get my swing where I want it to be. Two weeks of pitching, easy. Get rolling. Easy. Easy. <laughs> Says the guy that rolls out of bed hitting. That's great. Hey, uh, before uh, I, I do want to ask you this before we let you go, and uh, we we certainly appreciate your time doing this. It means a lot to us. But we had uh, Kevin Euclid on a couple of days ago, and Kevin <clears throat> was talking about the spring training thing taking three weeks. But that's not where I'm going with this. He is uh, an owner of a, a, a craft beer company called Loma Brewing mm-hmm. in Northern California. I read recently that you've just become involved with a, an energy uh, drink company. Is it Sunshine Energy Drink? Yeah. Wanted to find yeah. out more about that. And then what what was the trigger for you to start thinking beyond baseball and kind of getting involved on the on the business side of things? Uh, well, there's a, there was a couple of factors uh, with me jumping on the Sunshine. First, they're a, they're a Winston-Salem company, which is my hometown. Um, I've been a fan of theirs for a couple years now and then the opportunity came this past winter to work together and I was all for it. Um, they're, they're, I, I'm, I'm very, I try to be as aware as possible as what I put in my body. And, um, I, I, I enjoy caffeine. I like coffee. I like caffeine. I, and sunshine is a healthy alternative to a Red Bull or a Monster or something when you're not feeling like coffee, you want something that tastes better, a little more refreshing. Sunshine is um, kind of that that bridge. Um, there, it's all natural ingredients. Uh, it's made from the, the caffeine comes from uh, organic uh, green coffee beans. Um, they have a new energy water out now that has no sugar, no calories. Um, so it's just a it's a it's a better energy source and like I said when the opportunity presented itself for us to work together I was all for it and they're doing great things um, it's a great company run by great people so I'm excited to be a be a part of them. 
Is this something and for by, you that leading into the the for future, like what you know for post baseball? Is that is kind of the mindset for you? This is kind of a way to, to kind of I don't know dip your uh, toe in the pool per se. For sure, yeah. This is a great chance for me to. Uh, I'm actually meeting with them next week. I'm I'm in constant contact. It's a good way for me to gain experience uh, in the business world, and it's it's been a. Uh, a lot of fun working with those guys and yeah yeah like you said it's it's going to be a great great experience for me post baseball we, we need to connect with with eucalyst because you know eucalyst i was thinking about you the other day eucalyst on our show and he's the one that was talking about the older guys taking longer i just these days blend together for all of us but uh he he had talked about during his playing career that everybody would have their bud light or miller light or coors light or whatever after the game and he's like i don't I don't want to have five or six of those. I just want to have one good craft beer. And Witt's a guy that, trust me, Witt, Witt's a guy that um, appreciates Boulevard Brewing Company here and a good beer. So that's less about a plug for our sponsor uh, on Royals Boulevard and more that I could see, Witt, I could see you going down that road, whatever it is, at some point. So it was, I was thinking about you the other day when Euclid was was talking about his new career and the way that goes. So, um I hope to see you back holding one of those sunshine drinks real soon in person. We'll see what that looks like. And he's one. Of, by the way, Victor, he's one of the only guys in the history of my life that calls that combines my two names, the first and last name, into Joelberg. I had a little league. Yeah, I had a I had a little league coach that did it, and then it's basically like Wit, Ian Kennedy, and Lou Kochaver did it. Occasionally, Alex Gordon. So that. That's a nickname that only a few use, but I, I like it. Well, I, I get called Whitfield a lot, so I, just I know you do. Turn the favor. And I, and I, I, yeah, I got, you, you guys call me Whitfield when my rookie year on on uh, on Fox Sports. So that's I think that's where it came from. You called me Whitfield, so I started calling you Joeberg. And it was by accident. I was young, and you know you were you had less facial hair, probably a little less grays. Um, not a lot less gray. And by the way. It's, as Francisco Lindor once told me, you don't have gray hair, man. That's white. I said, yeah, you're right. I So I did it. It wasn't Hudler. Well, I know Hudler did it, but. You know, I have the picture on my phone still. It was. Oh, man. It was. It was. Uh, it was a graphic. Was like, yeah, yeah. It was something like um, the three rookies had a good game. It was myself, Chesler, and Eibner. But you had Eibner, Cuthbert, and Whitfield. So I, right, so... I, actually, I actually don't know if you said Whitfield, but. The, uh, the the graphic was definitely there. Nice. The odds are I would I don't think I would have made that mistake, but if the graphic was up there, uh, I'll be a good team player and say it was my fault. Hudler, on the other hand, oh man, he was call he was calling. <clears throat> we'll let you go, but he was Victor. He was calling Wit one year Whitley, which is his real first name, right. and and that was like Hud's thing. Whitley, 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 and finally, finally, Wit says, hey. My mom's really the one that deserves to call me that, or something along those lines. And I like to tell HUD to stop doing something. That takes like months, right? <laughs> like yeah. I, I, when, when you said that, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is really, really gonna mess him up for a while because he doesn't want to mess with mom or anything like that. So um, I don't call you Whitfield anymore, but I, I find it I, I enjoy the Joelberg nickname. So anyway, I don't know why we threw that in there, just because. So um, we'll let you go. Go hit the uh, hit the golf course and um, hopefully. What, what what's the target score today? Uh, today is just uh, I got a workout this afternoon, so I'm just going out here to get a little work in. Right. Not really gonna probably play a full round. So fair enough, fair enough. We'll uh, we'll let you go. We appreciate it. I hope to see you somewhere in person soon. I think he and I have like a Boulevard event via Zoom coming up with Hunter Dozer soon. But I hope to see you at the baseball field at the stadium soon. I know that'll happen. Best to the family, to mom, your dad, and your brother, and your sister, and we'll see you soon. All right, guys. Thanks for having me. Take care, right, Whit. Have a good one, man. Whit Merrifield, the all-star uh, for the Kansas City Royals, kind enough to join us uh, from uh, North Carolina. That's where he makes his home, and that's where he grew up. And uh, I know you know him a lot better than I do, but uh, what I took away from when I met him briefly a couple of years ago, and even just talking to him now, that there's that... I don't know. There's like this uh, this quiet calm about him mm -hmm. and confidence yes. that you'll never really see it outwardly unless you're one of the guys and it's kind of behind closed doors, you know, goofing around or joking around. 
and and you could tell that there's a sense of humor there, but it's not going to come out, you know, just you know, like a Rex Tuttler type of personality, right? Yeah. Uh, but you just love those type of guys. And I, and I, when I read the Sunshine Energy Drink uh, information, I thought, that's cool. You know, a young player, uh, just signed a four-year deal recently, prior to last year. And not thinking now, he's thinking long-term and thinking about, all right, maybe I'd like to delve into this or find a way of getting involved in business. And I just thought that was a, a cool way about it. And you just... It just seems like that's the type of individual that he is. It's kind of a this quiet confidence that is always going to uh, be successful, no matter what he decides to do. Here's the way I would sum up what you, you nailed it. Um, he's he's serious. He's intense, but he's not intimidating in terms of communicating with him. I mentioned mm-hmm. at the top of of the show. He is available, and for reporters like me, this is so huge. He is available and accessible every single day. And when one of the leaders of the team, and arguably the best player on the team, is is able to do that, you don't need everyone to be like that. And guys have routines. Guys are in the workout room. Not that he's not, uh, but guys aren't always sitting there. In the baseball world, it's, it's not like some of the other sports where you have these designated players that they bring up to the podium only for the right. big moments that might that might actually change we'll, we'll see that was certainly going to be the the way the season was supposed to start with the social distancing but he's available every single day it reminds me in my time of kansas city of an eric cosmer and one of the top guys on the team who's well-spoken is accessible good or bad that's leadership so yeah. you, you nailed it with with wit and who he is but i, I would also sum him up this way because i there was a a quote at some point, maybe in spring training or before when, when Mike Matheny, who had been a teammate of and managed Albert Pujols, said that Whit Merrifield, I'm paraphrasing here, reminded him of Albert Pujols, and there was more context to it. But but what I took it as, and having covered both players for a lot of years, um, me with Pujols in St. Louis and Whit in Kansas City, is not the same kind of player at all, but this chip on their shoulder of you are not going to take my lunch money is the best way for me to put it. Now, yeah. maybe Pujols has mellowed a little bit, but I, I don't, I've never seen a more feared hitter with the glare. And, and this is my livelihood here. So you are not going to wrong me. And, and Witt has that same chip on his shoulder in the best of ways. I remember, uh, you know, on social media at some point, some fan was arguing with me about thinking that, saying Witt had a chip on his shoulder was offensive. Like, he's a great guy. He doesn't have a chip on his No, he does have a chip on his shoulder, and it's in the best ways because Witt's one of the – this is the best way to describe him. And I think it's what, along with the talent, what has helped him be the Major League Hits leader is Witt is a guy that instead of when people say you can't, he's the guy that says, why not? You mm-hmm. can't do this. Why not? The Royals aren't going to contend this year. Why not? Well, you can't start. Why not? Well, I don't know if you're an all-star. Why not? So – you know, he went through the same stuff most players do. He was in the minor leagues longer. Right. But then you get up, and I don't care how confident you are. This is true for almost every young player. Maybe the top, you know, signed guys, the first rounders, maybe it could be a little different, although there's a different pressure. But when when you're, when you get to the big leagues, you're playing to stay in the lineup. Mm-hmm. You don't have that security of, man, if I go 0 for 4 today and tomorrow, which many do, I might go back to the minors or be on the bench. It's hard to perform like that. Yeah. He became a different guy once it was you're in the lineup every day, and he became an even better guy when it was. Now, you're not batting eighth or ninth. You're batting first or second every single day, where it's just a given. The only uncertainty with Whit Merrifield is what day or two for the year are you going to give him off? And that's it. Yeah, I, I like the uh, the Michael Young comparison because I've always thought that as well. I mean, uh, the brief time he's been in the big leagues and, and just the way he hits. And when he talks about hitting inside the baseball, Mikey was kind of that that type of hitter. You know, maybe a little bit later on, he tried to lift a little bit more so, but it was after he had already established himself and trying to do different things. Uh, but, you know, Mike wasn't a, a, a big time, if I remember correctly, he was a Blue Jay originally, and I had to look it up. 
he a fifth round pick by the Blue Jays out of uh, Santa Barbara, UC Santa Barbara, and the Rangers picked him up in the deal for Esteban Loaiza, and. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, what a trade for the Texas Rangers because I, I don't think anybody really realized the type of player that Mikey was going to become. Uh, but he he honed his skills. I mean, he he trusted his abilities. So the the comp is very real. And if you look at I was looking at Young's numbers uh, in 01, he got 106 games with the Rangers and he hit 249, had 96 hits in 02. He had 262, had 150 hits in 156 games. And then in 03, hits the 200 hit plateau. I mean, it just all of a sudden, choof. And, it, and, and, you know, just like anything else, you gain confidence, you, you taste success, and you realize that you belong. And if you had that drive in you already, that so-called chip on your shoulder already, I mean, that's a recipe for success. I mean, because it's mm-hmm. – I, I tell – people all the time and I'll I'll even explain it to you with my kids my two kids my two younger kids uh one's a my daughter's a junior my son is a freshman and my daughter is five eight five nine built like a brick house strong as an ox and my son is a rail who's starting to sprout now Tyler has the drive to succeed in anything that he does Mattingly has talent, but doesn't necessarily have that inner drive to get to that next level. And it's not a bad thing. It's either you have it or you don't. You can't teach drive. Like if Maddie wanted to play tennis at the Division One level, had she started, I mean, she'd been playing tennis a long time. She could overpower any player now, even, even boy players or guy players, she could overpower. That's how strong she is, serving, forehand and everything. But for her, it's like, oh, this is fun. You know, it's like this recreational thing. For Tyler, it's a different thing. It's a different animal. So you either have the drive or you don't. And, and on top of that, if, you, if you've been knocked down a peg or two and you have that inner drive, boy, if that doesn't just fuel people even more so, uh, those are the ones you have to watch out for, those quiet assassin types, the Mike Youngs, mm-hmm. the Whit Merrifields of the world, because all they're going to keep doing is say, I told you so, I told you so. But they're not going to brag about it. They're just going to go out and do. That's it. That, yeah, that's they're right. just going to let the numbers speak for themselves. And those are the type of people. Those, to me, are the leaders. Those are the ones that I want to, you know, I want 25 of those guys, and I'll take my chances on, on a baseball field. I always look at it this way. Exactly what you said uh, would, I know when executives and, and clubs look at this, they, they talk about a championship roster. You know, where would a guy fit on a championship roster if you had a championship team? Whit Merrifield would start on any championship roster in baseball. And I know mm-hmm. that's an easy thing to say. He's led the, the big leagues and hits the last two years. But he's not going to be seen as a superstar in the same way that Michael Young was never seen as a superstar. Yet there's no one from Michael Young's generation that would pass him pass on him for a team. And mm-hmm. and in the case of both of those guys, and there are many others too, in, in which case... Where do you put him? Wherever you need him. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think that was an adjustment for him, too. I think that if you were to ask him, I mean, I have, that that he he loves second base. But this is a different era. This isn't like, oh, well, you're the last guy, so we'll, we'll put you somewhere. No, this is, wait, you give us more value, um, more value by being flexible, and it's not a, a bad thing. To move around it was it, there was mm-hmm. a kind of a negative connotation to that in the past like oh here's our utility guy so maybe we right. need a different version or then we started calling them super utility guys but the bottom line is you know wit for kansas city would be their second baseman but they have a young second baseman in nicky lopez and and if, if nicky proves himself then okay let's put wit somewhere else what we know is that he's leading off and and he's gonna you know get the most plate appearances of anyone. Stick him in center field. That's fine. By the way, a little trivia question for you: Whit Merrifield was a heck of a center fielder when he started at the University of South Carolina. The only reason why he was moved out of center field was that a guy named Jackie Bradley showed up on campus, right. and they put Bradley there, and so so Whit moved over to another spot. But you know that that is a trend that we're seeing now in baseball. And I, I think it's fun. You know, it's, um, it mixes yeah. things up. You guys playing used to be what, if you were a third baseman and maybe you started to slow down, they moved you to first base, you know, mm-hmm. if, uh, if you were a center fielder and you weren't running as well, maybe you moved out to right field. If you had the arm or left field or whatever. And, and now it's like, Hey, 
bounce him all over the place. Yeah. Uh, you you saw him quite a bit because he plays in your division. Another guy that comes to mind, uh, like a Witt, like a Michael Young, that seemed to was seemed to be a guy without a position and almost undervalued by the organization, at least from my take, Jose Ramirez. Now, oh. when he was in the big leagues for a couple of years, right, the first couple of years, uh, year plus, it was kind of like you, you watch him hit and you're like, man, I like this guy. I like, I like what he does. But he was – you know, he was filling in. He was like a second baseman sometimes. He'd fill in for Lindor at short. He'd place a little third. And I kept telling Mark Gubas and my partner, <clears throat> and I, if these guys don't want him, I'll take him. I, I, I like what he, what he does at the plate. And boom, all of a sudden, what's he do? He just takes off and becomes this all-star stud who can, who can flat out rake. Now, he got off to a slow start last year, and he turned it around a little bit. But I, I, think, I, I think in today's game, and maybe it's our mentality as a society that if you don't experience success instantaneously, uh, you're like, oh, next, you know, who's who's coming up behind you? And sometimes when you sometimes these these cats have what it takes, mm-hmm. but it just takes them a little time to kind of that little taste of success at the highest level for them to really let it come out. I, I, if you have a little bit of patience like that. I think there's more, more players like that than you really know of. And there's, there's been just think about all the players that have never made it to the big leagues or only got cups of coffee in the big leagues, that were pretty good hitters. Now you you've talked to Jeff Montgomery, you talked to, I talked to Mark Mark Ubiza, any players, my dad doesn't matter. They'll tell you about players that you've never even heard of mm-hmm. that were this guy could hit. It didn't matter if it was 100 miles per hour, if it was a knuckleballer. He could do this, he could do that. You never heard of him. And there's a lot of those type of guys that either because of injury or didn't get the break or uh, didn't capitalize when they got there, they just fall by the wayside. And it's uh, it's a shame because there's so much talent out there. I wonder if we'll see a change in dynamic this year when this gets back to going. And here's what I mean by that they're going to be expanded rosters beyond what was mm-hmm. supposed to be an expansion of one to 26. It, it doesn't sound like from all the reports, and this certainly makes sense that there's going to be a minor league season, or if there is some type of minor league season, it'll be extremely limited, which means that you're going to have these taxi squads of guys. And so you, you actually might have some players that get opportunities not due to injury and coming up, you know, because of the injured list. So I, I just, I wonder if with, larger rosters whether we see some breakthroughs you know in whatever this season looks like and we see sure. some opportunities beyond just being on a roster for guys to prove themselves a little bit well a case in point i mean if you're the angels uh joe adele would be a triple a right now right uh that being the case if there's not going to be a minor league season uh why not just give joe adele the the opportunity to start in right field uh, right now it'd be right probably a, a Brian Goodwin or even having David Fletcher being the Whit Merrifield type of Hey, by the way, David Fletcher, another Whit Merrifield type of player, another yeah. similar inside out type of approach can hit a lot. It could play all kinds of positions. Um, but another guy for you to watch for, but, it may, but to your point, I think, uh, you know, do you just start Joe Adele and just have him? I mean, because you're wasting a full year of doing nothing mm-hmm. So you right. might as well get some value. You're going to start his clock. You were probably going to start his clock at some point this year. So maybe this is the maybe you do see some of that where you get some of these these uh, these upper echelon prospects that were eventually going to be called up. Maybe they do get those calls a lot sooner than say you know a month into a season or whatever the case may be. It's going to be a fascinating season whenever yep. it starts. I think, and then no. we can continue to discuss this at another point, but. Um, I, I Witt basically summed up exactly what you and I have been thinking. These are just ideas. They do give you hope. But I think mm-hmm. the one thing this I'll wrap it up on my end with this. The the one thing that I feel like right now is we're getting closer. Dayton Moore made comments to the media here on a Zoom call yesterday, the Royals GM, um, that we're getting closer. So I, I think that the what and the where we don't know 
the when, even though we don't know it, I think I can at least just say it feels like we're getting closer and that there's a lot of optimism that we're going to have baseball. I hope that is, uh, I hope that's true. I will wait and see. I will reserve judgment and excitement until we get those dates, man. Is that, is that all right? Is that fair? Yeah, no, I just, I, what I was thinking was if, if they do this three division thing, yeah, we'll, we, won't, we won't even see each other all year. So we're just getting no. it out of our system now. <laughs> I, I like how you think. I wonder how that's going to work too, by the way, from a scheduling standpoint, it'll be, uh, that mean for, for, for us, that means California is open. Washington state is open. Uh, you know, that Texas is opening up soon. So that'll, that'll be interesting how that plays out because of the amount of teams that are in California. Uh, but I think, again, I think it's a precursor that if, again, we've talked about this whole carte blanche, it's a precursor to that whole geographic realignment idea that's been out there for a while that major league baseball has talked about that maybe this is a way to kind of let's take a look at it let's see if it works and if it's palatable maybe beyond 21 after the cba or the new cba kicks in maybe it's something that gets reworked and uh and and a part of the system joel another fantastic show nice job getting uh whit merrifield the all-star for the kansas city royals great chatting with him and uh Look forward to doing this uh, one more time before we uh, take a little time off. And uh, appreciate it, brother. Joel Goldberg and Whit Merrifield and Victor Ross. Thanks for watching. Joel, you got any big plans for the rest of the day? Just a couple other little work things, and then uh, who knows? We'll, we'll get outside. What, what is it outside right now? It looks okay. It's yeah, we'll beer, get outside for Beer 30 somewhere, buddy. Beer it, it, every day. <laughs> or in your uh, case, the way you've been plugging on Boulevard 30 at some point. It's... um. I'm doing an event for them with with Merrifield and Dozier, so I think nice. I think the payment the payment might be beer, so we'll um we'll see. Is yes, that bad? it's beer thirty somewhere. Is that a bad thing? Never, never, never. never. All right, brother. Have a good one. All right, see you, Victor. See you guys.